Let us pray. Our Father, as we look to your word this morning, we pray that you will speak to us. May your word encourage us, and may your word convict us and challenge us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Floyd McClung, he wrote this book, Finding Friendship with God. I don't know where it's ah, with, the small letter there. Finding Friendship with God. And in this book, he actually shares a story about his father. His father just had an open heart surgery. And after he was released from the intensive care unit, he was fitted with a little transmitter that, that he had to wear on his belt. The transmitter was connected by wires to a number of contact points on his body so that the nurses could monitor his vital signs at all times, even when he goes for a walk. And so, after about a week, his father was feeling a lot better. And thus, he decided that he would go for a longer walk. So what he did was, he took the elevator and came down to the main floor of the hospital building. And then he wandered past the nursery and he peeked into the newborn babies. Say hi to them. And then he walked further. He checked out the cafeteria and he checked out the gift shop. And he was standing there browsing one of the magazines when suddenly he heard this tremendous commotion from the other side of the hospital. People were running, and he hears someone calling out his name, McClung, McClung. And there he sees this rather large, this rather large and red-faced nurse burst right in front of him. and said, are you McClung? Well, yes, I am. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem, you ask me? The problem is that you have gotten out of the transmitting range of the nurse's station. All your vital signs suddenly disappeared. And we thought you were dead. You see, my dear friends, his dad was supposed to stay within the range so that the nurses could keep track of him. But when he wandered away and walked out of the range, the nurses could no longer track him. Walking out of the range was dangerous for him. He wasn't supposed to do that. He wasn't supposed to walk out of the boundary. In today's passage, 
Genesis chapter 3, we see something similar. We see Adam and Eve walking out of the range. Last week, we looked at the creation story, correct? And we learned that we were created in God's image. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we saw that God created us in his image, and it was good. But very quickly, we see that the image was marred when Adam and Eve chose to walk out. That image was marred when they chose to walk out of the boundary that God had so graciously and lovingly set for them. And what was the boundary? If you look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but, that's the boundary, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. You see, God set very clear boundaries, and these boundaries were clearly communicated to them. They knew what the boundaries were, because when the serpent asked Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? What did Eve say to the serpent? We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. So Eve knew the boundaries. Adam, who was with her, also knew the boundaries. They knew, but they crossed it. No, they walked out of the boundaries that God had set for them. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, what caused them to walk out of the boundary? In a sense, what lured Eve to reach out her hands and take that fruit? You know, as Eve looked at the fruit, you know, verse 6, you know, as Eve looked at the fruit, she saw three things. First, she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. You see, there are so many other fruits on so many other trees in the garden, but this particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
which God had explicitly said you cannot have, the fruit was good for food. Then, what she see? Then she saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye. Probably all other fruits on the all other trees in the garden looked like durians. Very tawny, not pleasing to the eye at all. But this fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that fruit was pleasing to the eye, was attractive. And lastly, she saw that the fruit was desirable for gaining wisdom. You see, all the other fruits in the garden brings nourishment to the body. But this fruit, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it brings more than nourishment. It brings wisdom. You know, my dear friends, you know, God has provided all that they needed. You know, Adam and Eve lacked nothing. They had all that they needed. They had ample supply of food. You look at Genesis 1, 29. It says, I give you, I referring to God, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And even in the midst of such providence, Adam and Eve faced the temptation for something more. You see, my dear friends, just like Eve and of course just like Adam, we too face the temptation of wanting more. We too face the temptation of being lured. No one escapes it. No one is immune to temptation, not even Jesus. Jesus faced temptations too. He faced all sorts of temptations. But the only difference between Jesus, who is our second Adam, and the first Adam here, is that Jesus did not sin. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So not, Jesus, not even Jesus escapes temptation. We don't escape temptations too. We face temptations every day, every hour, and every moment, and we sin. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is the truth, my dear friends. No one can ever say that he or she have no sins. We all have sins. We all have disobeyed God. And we all have walked away from God. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves would be, do we recognize 
our tendency to sin? How do we recognize some of our pitfalls and are we able to name them? You know, coming back to this verse, verse 6, um, we can get some clues, you know, from this verse uh, as to how we can recognize some of our pitfalls. You see, first, Eve saw that the, food, uh, that the fruit was good for food. Our tendency to sin comes through our appetite. It can be a physical appetite. For example, you know that you should not eat a lot of durians, but you still want to eat, right? When the season comes, physical appetite. Then, uh, then it can be an emotional appetite. For example, you are being tempted to do something in order to gain favor, to gain love, and gain acceptance. That is emotional appetite. Then you have this thing called the fleshly appetite. For example, one example for this would be pornography. Pornography feeds our fleshly appetite. So our tendency to sin comes through our appetite. Good for food. Then, secondly, Eve saw that the food was pleasing to the eye. Our tendency to sin comes through attractions. What are we attracted to? most of the time. You see, no one will be attracted to something that's ugly. Can I say that? You all agree? No one will be attracted to something that is ugly. We are always attracted to something that is beautiful. So where is our boundaries? You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong in appreciating beauty. But where is our boundaries? And thirdly, Eve saw that the fruit was desirable for gaining wisdom. Our tendency to sin comes through our pursuit. Again, there is absolutely nothing wrong in pursuing. But where is our boundaries? Adam and Eve had everything they, they needed, and yet they wanted to pursue more. They wanted to pursue the very thing that was not given to them. So may I suggest to all of us that we take some time this week to examine, of course, in the presence of God, these three areas of our lives our appetite, our attractions, and our pursuits, and see if we have crossed that boundary. You see, my dear friends, recognizing our weaknesses and our pitfalls is important because it enables us to come before God honestly with our need for His grace. Not that God does not already know about our weaknesses. He does. 
but we need to also be aware of our pitfalls so that we can watch and pray in moments of our weakness. You know, it is when we realize our weaknesses and our bent towards sin, we begin to see the greatness of God's grace and forgiveness. You know, there's this guy, this 19th century preacher by the name of C.H. Spurgeon. Uh, he wrote somewhere in one of the books, or some, no, someone quoted him in one of his books that when, when this preacher, this guy, C.H. Spurgeon, when he was, he was only 14 years old when he experienced a tremendous sense of his own sinfulness. And as a result of that experience, he was confronted with two truths. Number one was God's majesty. Number two was his own sin. What he's essentially saying is that when he was confronted with his own sinfulness, he came face to face with God's majesty. Now, for us, when we are confronted with our sin, with our sinfulness, what do we do? How do we deal with sin in our lives? And what do we do when we realize that we have crossed that boundary? You know, how did Adam and Eve deal with that? You know, from the passage, what did they do? Huh? From the passage, we know that they hid from God. Why? Because they were afraid. They were fearful because they knew that they had sinned. When they heard the sound of God walking in the garden, they hid from him. And God had to call out to them. And this is what Adam says. Sorry. Adam says to God, you know, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And that's what sin does to us, my dear friends. Sin brings fear into our lives. Sin brings shame into our lives. And the one other thing that sin does in our lives is that it takes away our confidence in approaching God. Here in Genesis, Adam and Eve was the first to hide. When they heard God, they quickly hide. Not because they were playing hide and seek, you know. They hid because they were afraid. They hid because they have lost their confidence in approaching God. Sin robs us of our confidence in approaching God. We see that happening to Jesus' disciples as well. If you look at Luke chapter 5, for example, the first part of Luke chapter 5 talks about Jesus calling his disciples. And in that passage, Jesus would ask Simon to put out into deep water and let down the nets 
for a catch. And Simon would then explain to Jesus, saying, you know, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And so Simon let down his nets. And we all know that they caught so many fishes that their nets begins to break. Another boat has to come and help. And both boats were filled with fishes so much that the boats begin to sink. And Simon, you know, as he stands there and watches all that was unfolding in front of his eyes, he comes to a realization of his own sinfulness and he comes to a realization that he is in the presence of God because he says this, when Simon Peter saw all this, he fell at Jesus' knee and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Sin robs us of our confidence of coming before God. Sin causes us to be fearful and sin causes us to be in shame. And the one other thing that sin does is that it brings about brokenness in a relationship. For Adam and Eve, their relationship with God was broken. And then, their relationship between themselves, between Adam and Eve, between themselves, huh? that relationship was also broken because we see them blaming each other. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed who? The serpent. And so we see how sin breaks and disrupts the creation order. Creation which God has so creatively put together was broken with that one act of disobedience. Friends, that is the consequences of sin. That is the power of sin. It breaks, it disrupts, and it destroys what God has designed and put together. But, my dear friends, there is a power which is far greater than that. That power which comes from the compassionate heart of God. That power which comes from the kindness of God. That power has the ability to redeem, restore, and renew. And we see a glimpse of that power, a glimpse at the end of Genesis chapter 3. You see, the entire chapter of Genesis 3 talks about sin, right? It talks about how men fell. And it talks about the consequences of sin. And the con consequences of sin involves being banished from the Garden of Eden, correct? Adam and Eve, God drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden. But before God did before he banished them and drove them out of the garden, God did one act of kindness towards Adam and Eve. Look at verse 21. 
the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Adam and Eve were naked, remember? And God covered them. I don't know how much fig tree can cover, the leaf of a fig tree can cover. I've not seen a fig tree anyway. So I don't know how much it can cover. You know, but God made garments of skin and covered them. You know, our God is a holy God. Hence, there must be a consequences to sin. There must be a punishment to sin. But that didn't stop God from showing kindness and compassion towards Adam and Eve. You know, my dear friends, I absolutely think that it is a daunting experience to actually be naked. I really think so. God chose to clothe them. God chose to cover them. And that is kindness, that is compassion, and that's God's love in action. You know, God hates the sin, but he loves sinner. And that is why throughout the Bible, we see God pursuing mankind. Because he hates the sin and he loves the sinner. He hates the sin because he is a holy God. And he loves the sinner because God is love. And so how do we respond to God's pursuit in our lives? If, you, if we look at the outline in the bulletin, the last sentence that I've put there is, humanity fell and hence began the journey of redemption. Humanity fell and hence began the journey of redemption. God pursues after us because he wants to redeem us. And God did redeem us through the life and work of Jesus. Now, we can respond to God in two ways. Number one, we can respond to God because of what Jesus has done. We can respond to God by moving closer. Or number two, we can respond by moving further away from God. You know, there was a little girl who was very good at getting lost in the supermarket. Anybody, when you were a little girl, always get lost in the supermarket? You know, she, this girl, she follows her parents most of the time, and there is this particular boundary that the girl was not supposed to cross. She was not supposed to wander away, lah, all right, in other words, okay? And so the boundary was, as long as she is still able to see her parents, Okay, maybe the parents is that side, she's over here. As long as she's able to see her, she's within the boundary. Okay? But she will eventually wander off to the next department, the toys department. Okay? And the moment will come when she suddenly realizes, when she looks around, that her parents is no longer to be seen. And fear grips her heart, her anxiety increases. And she begins to frantically look for her parents. But because she is so afraid 
and she is so anxious, she fails to realize, she fails to realize that instead of moving towards her parents, she was moving further and further and further away from her parents. Now, friends, in the same manner, many people are frantically looking for ways to reconcile to God. Some people try to get closer to God by trying other religions. Some people try to get closer to God by doing a lot, a lot, a lot of good works. And we try so many other ways to be redeemed. And we fail to realize that redemption only comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the choice is in our hands and may I invite us to truly embrace Jesus who is our Redeemer. Let us pray. Abba Father, thank you for showing us and helping us to be aware of our own sinfulness. At the same time, Lord, Thank you for inviting us to come close to you. And thank you, Lord, for forgiving and washing us clean from all our sins and making us righteous in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.